Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Coming up in an hour, Michael Vick yes. on the show. Looking forward to uh, chatting with the former Falcon and Eagles quarterback. He can certainly describe what it's like trying to get back into the NFL after time away. Spending two years in prison and then still making it back to the Philadelphia Eagles and playing at a high level for Andy Reid. Michael Vick will join us um, and we'll tie in the Kaepernick tryout with that. Uh, that's coming up in an hour, just added to our schedule uh, through uh, Davey Hudson. We also have Armando Salguero in 20 minutes, uh, who always brings the energy regarding uh, NFL headlines. The headline today is the PGA. Chad, I loved your tweet this morning. The PGA has declared war, decided, decided on war, because they had options here. And the PGA, through their memo that was sent out, first posted through Outkick.com, they're banning the players and uh, the players who joined the live tour. And the, the question is what is to follow? Because this is just event number one of eight on this calendar year that teed off today in London. And the group of players that we watch tee off today will not be the final 48 that tee off for them in September. Um, there's a theory, and uh, I, Chad, I know you mentioned this yesterday um, with some other players who have been rumored to be wanting to join. Um, there's a, a theory that uh, some of these current players on tour are waiting for the FedEx Cup to come and go, where they're playing in these events on the PGA Tour for FedEx Cup points. And then once that date passes they're going to join up with the Live Tour. Because if you resign from the PGA Tour, you forfeit those FedEx Cup points. Those are, I'm sure there are sponsorship dollars tied to that. There's certainly bonus money tied to that. Um, the whole thing. So there's a theory that we will see others, like Ricky Fowler, who I know you mentioned yesterday, jump on board after the FedEx Cup points are, have concluded. We'll see. I, we're just getting started, the overall point there. PGA choosing war against the LIV tour. It's live. Um, it, it is live? Yeah. LI, so here, here's the connection with why it's LIV. It, it, they, it, it is Roman numerals. They play 56 holes. So it's the Roman numerals for 56. And it is the live it's tour. It's 54. Or 54, sorry. Yeah, yeah 54. Um, and you have the Roman numerals for 54. And I don't know why I even said live. LIV tour, because I've it's, said live every time I've described it, but I just now tour. called it yeah. LIV. Uh, uh, no idea why I said that. Well, here's, but. here's why. But the Super Bowl LIV was not Super Bowl live. It was Super Bowl LIV. Yeah. Well, I so, didn't know. You, you, when you said it three days ago, it was the first time I've heard anyone say it. I've only read it in print. So when you said live, I'm like, oh, it's live. I've said live <laughs> literally every time for whatever reason my brain got scrambled. But, I just yeah, said LIV. Live. And live tour. So, but, but the, when you see it, it is they, it, it's it, for that purpose. They are yeah. Roman numerals. Yes, so it makes sense. Um, I'm curious if 
players read that memo, what their reaction was, the ones that are undecided on what to do, whether or not to take the money or stay in the PGA Tour. Do they feel threatened by the PGA Tour and their strong language in that to say, oh, maybe I need to reevaluate this because they're, they're really playing hardball and I've got a pretty good life here. Maybe I should stay here. Or do they read that and kind of snicker and say, yeah, give me a break with some of this stuff. I'm now even more inclined to take the money and run. I don't know, but I'd like to know for, let's just say Bryson DeChambeau, Ricky Fowler, anyone that's been reported or rumored to have been offered by this live tour to take more money and go play on their tour, what was their reaction to the memo? Was it anything? Were they a little bit more frightened by it? Were they challenged by it to the point where they want to leave even more now, or was there no response at all? I'd be curious about that. My reaction to reading the memo was, man, the PGA Tour went there. They're really declaring war on the Live Tour, and they're saying why they are righteous and the Live Tour is not, and let's go to battle. It's a good question. My, the, the, the thing that comes to mind first for me is, who's the player? And so if uh, just scrolling down here, if Troy Merritt... Troy Merritt is the, he's ranked 98th in the world. What's the guarantee money Troy Merritt, and I'm just using him because he's the first American I, I came across at the bottom of the top 100. What's the guarantee Troy Merritt could receive from the Live Tour? Because it, I think th- those are the guys, a, a top 100 player in the world, among the best period to ever walk the earth is on this tour. And Troy Merritt's one of them. You've likely never heard of him. But for the Live Tour, that's the type of player they'll, they'll sign him and add him to the 19. I mean, it's important for them to point out they have 19 of the world's top 100 players that have signed up. That they want to add to that number. So what's the guarantee worth for a guy like that? I, if, if Kevin Na's getting reportedly or rumored to have $30 million, I have no idea what this league will pony up and, and pay for. So, ultimately, like, yeah, yes, and ultimately, and I, I'm not looking necessarily at number 100 on the list. I agree that the goal would be let's get 48 of the top 100 players. Mm-hmm. Let's take half of the top of the field. That is where it's a legitimate competition. And the rest can be scrambled to the PGA, however you want to do it. And I'm not saying they're going to get the top 48 players in the world. I'm saying get a mix of 48 of the top 100 sure. players in the world. So, If your business model isn't volume, it's quality. We want to get 48 great golfers and good names on our tour. It's not we're going to get 138 of the top PGA Tour professionals that have qualified and got their card and did all this. None of that. You're not going for that many players in a tournament. You're going for 48 so you can have your 12-team system that you have on the Live Tour, and you can get those guys, and you have that much money – suddenly that becomes more attainable. If you're just going down the list and you are calculating, all right, what is the guaranteed price for this 17th ranked player in the world versus this 72nd ranked player in the world? And you're going down your list and seeing who you can get to bite at the apple Mm -hmm. if you're the live tour. 17th, by the way, Tony Finau. Okay, Tony Finau would be expensive, I'm assuming, for the live tour. But... If he says, no, I'm going to be PGA for life, what, you go to the next one, 
it's very attainable. If you're just talking about 48 of the top 100, but you have you have split it, right? You have basically taken the PGA here, Tour and created actual competition. Yes. And it's doable when you're not trying to get 130 players. Here's where here here's what I think is the real crux of what the PGA is worried about. First, the television partners in this statement, in this memo, again, outkick.com for the full memo. Um, Chad, it, they detail how their media partners are on, they, they side with the PGA Tour. Well, I, I think it's important to note, and a better way to phrase it after giving it an hour and eight minutes, there are about, I, I would guess, 30 to 35 players on the PGA Tour that keep everything else afloat, if you really think about it. So, you know, the, the golfer that's among the 100 players teeing off that has their PGA card, you may not know about. But the popularity of the tour is really about 35 to 40 players, give or take 10. And I'm not trying to shortchange the guys who are extremely great at what they do, but the public isn't tuning in on a random Saturday to watch Will Zalatoris. Well, Will, Will Zalatoris has now made a name for himself because he's been consistently on TV as for the last three years as he's been in contention with the guys you're tuning in to watch. So Then but, what's Will Zalatoris worth to the Live Tour? Well, it's it's worth right? it's worth I mean Kevin Na's worth 30 to 40 million reportedly. So uh, again, my point is it he's worth what I mean to me the worth and the value of the live tour. They'll sign him up in a heartbeat and they won't even bat an eye at the cash. He's worth so much more to the PGA Tour, but they don't have the backing to keep him and they're in complete panic mode here because he can just walk just like all these other guys have and still play in 3 of the majors. And that is a huge hit to the PGA Tour, even though they have 48 events and they have all these golfers and they're going to point to how many of the top 100 players are you know, in their events. That's great. But really, what drives the needle and what keeps everything profitable for a nonprofit is 35 to 40 players. And maybe I'm dead wrong here, but um, there are guys on tour who lose money on an annual basis who struggle to actually keep it going for everything they're having to pay for. Coaches, caddies, travel. I mean, it's not like everybody makes a ton of money. So the top players in the entire world are keeping the PGA Tour on track. And now 19 of those guys have just gone over to play with the Live Tour with seven events remaining. That's a huge storyline. And that's what the PGA Tour... Never, never had. They never had a, com a competitor like this that actually has the financial backing. We always say Nashville's, the city of Nashville and, and the state of Tennessee has been discussing a major league baseball team. The one thing they're lacking is a billionaire. Well, now they, uh, the, the Saudi-backed live tour truly has the financial backing. Uh, like we, you know, the, they have FU money to even the PGA Tour, which has been on top of the mountain for decades. That, that's why the statement of declaring war is fascinating. Well, and you could just uh, you could basically go to the players on tour that make the most in sponsorship as your guiding light yeah, for who draw, who moves the needle. 
the ones who are going to make the most in sponsorship, they do that for a reason because they're the most popular players on tour and they're best at selling products for these sponsors. So if I'm the PGA Tour, okay, you declared war. Great. What's next? Make those guys happy. Anything they need. You can't outspend the Live Tour, but you can get creative on some of these things Phil Mickelson and others have talked about to make sure that's not an issue now moving forward. If you want to change things to make those guys happy so they're not the next to bolt. I think that's, that's item number one. If you're the PGA Tour. You want the list of sponsors if that you're top's the, paid? Yes. If you're the Live Tour, I think you go to this list you're about to read right now. I'm going to start at the and bottom. And find out, okay, much like with Dustin Johnson, you're going to lose $11 million in sponsorship a year, but we're going to pay you $125 million guaranteed. Chad, this, this is child's play to this league, okay? Um, and I, I only say this based on the money. Uh, I'm not saying this money is small, but the money that they're tossing around in guarantees is double. I mean, Dustin Johnson doubled just by joining the Lyft Tour. He doubled his career earnings in one signature by joining the Lyft Tour. That, that's crazy. Number 10, this is for 2021, and I'm reading this from Sportico. Hideki Matsuyama, $15.4 million in sponsorship money. Number nine is John Rahm. He made sixteen point nine and estimated in sponsorship dollars. Again. This is one year, 16.9. Okay. Now consider how many of these golfers have you heard that have joined the Lift Tour have made more than sixteen million dollars to join? We've also now talked about two international golfers mm-hmm. at ten and nine. Xander uh, Shoffley, seventeen point three. Bryson DeChambeau, he's um, he's already on board, or will be. Reportedly, Justin Thomas, twenty point three million in sponsorship dollars, and he's going to about he's about to get a lot more uh, in twenty twenty two, and he's one of the guys who I thought was extremely well versed and thoughtful at the podium yesterday at the CBC Canadian Open, um, where he said, "Look, I, people want me to hate these guys that are leaving. I hate that they're leaving, but I don't hate the person. I understand what they're doing." Uh, but he's saying he's staying with the PGA Tour. Jordan Spieth, number five, twenty-nine point six million. Rory McIlroy, thirty-two point eight, and that is the primarily the Nike money. Um, he made four point eight million, by the way, in prize money. Rory, four point eight. Dustin Johnson, forty point eight million in sponsorship money. Keep in mind, Dustin Johnson was still wearing a tailor-made hat today. As he teed off. Yeah, he didn't lose all of his sponsors. He right. lost eleven million of that forty was what was reported, but he kept a lot of the other sponsors. So if we're going by this this report, that's twenty nine million that he's retained on top of what he's making from Live Tour. Phil Mickelson, forty six point one. And Tiger Woods at sixty two point two. Um, and again, this is just sponsorship dollars off twenty twenty one. and this is through Sportico. There you go. Highest paid. So go, go to that list who you don't have right now and find out what it's worth. I mean, you know, that's, that's what they're going to try to do, and I'm assuming they've done that with everyone, and we haven't heard about it because those other guys said no, that they're happy on the PGA Tour. But maybe some of them are, are mulling it over. Well, and, and some of it, too, it, some of it has to do 
with the the amount of Rory. The total amount of money I was reading last night for Rory McIlroy on the Nike contract is upwards. It's closer to two hundred million than it is, and and that and that's a short term deal, right? So he's getting that. If you're getting that type of sponsorship dollar, you're content to stay exactly what you're doing and go about your business and do the tour the way you want to do it. And I respect what Rory had to say yesterday, but Rory doesn't represent. 98% of the, uh, the tour professionals, right? He's representing the upper crust. Yeah. And but that, other, that's ultimately who the PGA Tour wants to keep more than anyone else, too. Or yeah. what, what he's representing. Yeah, and, and those guys are dwindling. Honestly, those numbers are dwindling for the PGA Tour. They've got to figure out something. I don't know if it's like a, hey, please stay. Every January, we're going to give you uh, more or less a roster bonus to stay on tour instead of going to the you see what I'm saying like they need your top earners some they need to come up no, with a they system they need to do something to they help have, help them they have to come up with a system that prevents guys from leaving for the for the bag for the money well what they're doing right now is they're they're tugging at the heartstrings that's what that statement does i know that you're tired like our partners are hearing about money money and more money we applaud your loyalty and you, we know that you stuck with us for these <laughs> core reasons and principles and we want to reward you for that. I mean, that's what they're trying to do because there's not one thing where they're saying, we are the preeminent golf brand name tour, and we are going to pay that way. Right. And we're going to make it worth your while. They can't say that because they can't outbid oil money. And their, their statement is just repeating what the guys who have already left have said. Like, we're taking the money. Love us or hate us. We're taking the money in the PGA Tour, which has restricted us. I uh, can't do anything about it anymore. We'll get back into this. Armando Salguero about to join us. Michael Vick will join the show in 45 minutes. Salguero next, one of our favorite guests on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Now, Kick 360 rolls on. Michael Vick joins us in just over 30 minutes here on the show across the Outkick Network. We say hello to Armando Salguero. We mentioned it earlier, one of our favorite guests. And 
There he is at a, coming at a, from a stadium near you, a different backdrop every week, and we welcome uh, his great ability to switch it up. Captain America, Armando he Salguero. He's with, right uh, and we love the Top Gun Outkick hat that he's sporting once again. He's with Outkick.com. Armando, good afternoon. Hello, gentlemen. Live from Orchard Park in western New York. Love it. Or a picture of it anyway. How's that? Hey, the the windy Orchard Park. The last time we saw it on national TV in a in a major way. Um, let, let's start with Deshaun Watson. We don't have to spend the entire segment on this because we spent a ton of time on this. But I was thinking yesterday and, and the day before that, and the day before that, for those that make the argument, well, you should never settle cases if you're not guilty. This is exactly the reason to settle before anything gets goes down the line because this instead of a court issue Armando is now the battle of public perception no doubt about it and unfortunately for Deshaun Watson the NFL's personal conduct policy is all about perception it was written so that people would not publicly shame the NFL the brand the shield it was written so that even when um, people within the league did things did not that did not rise to criminal or evil, even civil uh, problems for them in courtrooms and uh, with police, the NFL could come in because there had been bad publicity mm-hmm. upon the player and thus the NFL and get its pound of flesh from that player to make sure and to send a message that you don't do things that make the NFL look bad or make the NFL brand look bad. And so Deshaun Watson has had a terrible couple of weeks, aside from the fact that two new people have come forward, one of which was a surprise to the, you know, to the defense, And, oh, by the way, the worst moment that a lawyer can have at any point is when he asks a question, doesn't know the answer, or has some other surprise that takes him, you know, unbeknownst to him or herself. So with the latest report, Armando, the Houston Texans have now been added to the lawsuit from Tony Busby. Uh, We had John McClain on when this story broke, and – he was saying, you know, the only real new thing in there is that the head of security has been named. He did not, before that, in all the deposition, he had not seen where the whole, hey, here's an NDA based on the first attempt at blackmail uh, from the, the Houston Texans head of security. But, you know, he talked about the Houstonian membership and everything else that he knew about that before. I guess my question is when you sort through the report and everything you know now, How much culpability is there on the Houston Texans' part in terms of what they knew, when they knew it, and now the the fact that they're a part of this lawsuit also? Right. So it's interesting because the team's head of security, an employee, um, left that non-disclosure agreement allegedly. always throw in the allegedly's here because, you know, we're obviously talking about allegations. Um, Left the NDA agreement in Deshaun Watson's locker stall at the stadium. 
at his place of work where both of them work. So was that guy acting as an employee on behalf of the Houston Texans? Or was he acting as an individual who was just trying to ingratiate himself with Deshaun Watson and trying to make the star quarterback's life easier? It's an important distinction because if, in fact, that gentleman was acting on be, in his role as a Houston Texans employee, the Houston Texans are in trouble. Uh, they because it could be argued that they were part of the whole uh, greasing the skid, so to speak, for Deshaun Watson to go out, find uh, massage therapists on Instagram or wherever else he found them, and then find a way to kind of make sure that they never, you know, took actions against them or went public for his actions because the team gave him an NDA. And so that's going to be interesting. My guess is that that gentleman will also be sued. My guess is that he will be deposed. My guess is that employees of the Houston Texans will now be deposed. And the overarching question in all of this is, what does that do to the NFL investigation? Does it slow it down to a crawl where they say, whoa, in a second, there's a whole new facet here that we have to look at? Or do, does the NFL go ahead and say, we're good with what we know and whatever comes out, comes out? Armando, can you explain how the Los Angeles Rams are making the salary cap work this year and moving forward with all the money, uh, the new money that they've added on this offseason? And, and the big ones, of course, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, and now Cooper Cup? Well, number one, uh, they are, you know, mortgaging their future. Uh, number two, they did have to get rid of a player yesterday that was making two and a half million dollars to make some salary cap space for the addition of Cooper Cup's new salary. And number three, they're throwing a lot of money around because with the NFL salary cap, when you're paying cash up front in the form of signing bonuses or guaranteed money, you can prorate that amount over the life of the, I was going to say the life of the loan, over the life <laughs> of the contract. And so therefore, $30 million a year all of a sudden, or $31 million a year for Aaron Donald can be you know, a $10 million cap hit. Uh, $25 million a year for Cooper Cup can be a $12 million cap hit. Just because their average annual salary is something, it doesn't mean that their salary cap number is that same number. I was uh, discussing something with a, a friend in the, the local uh, media here at a Titans practice earlier this week. And I ended up writing about it at Outkick.com and following up on your your Aaron Donald money, where Aaron Donald is still underpaid. Um, but next in line is Nick Bosa, and someone said, "Hey, no one, no one's going to get Aaron Donald money." But I think if Nick Bosa repeats what he just did, he will be the new highest-paid non-quarterback in the NFL a year from now if he decides to wait. I don't think he gets paid that now if he extends the contract now. 
But if he repeats the same production, Armando, he's going to be the new guy. Yeah, I read that piece that you wrote, Hutton, and uh, very nice punctuation. Nice, strong birds. Very good by you. Oh, it's no, well done. Hey, it, it's no, uh, it's not Hall of Fame worthy like, like you're writing, but uh, I just, I think of a word and I put it on paper. No, it was good. And look. Do you agree? Do you agree with that sentiment, though? Yeah. Well, understand, more importantly than me agreeing, agents are agreeing because, and they're the ones that are going to try to make the thing happen. Every agent's job is to beat the last contract. And if the last contract happens to be Aaron Donald and you happen to have a player who is a stud, maybe not three-time defensive player of the year stud, maybe not made the game ceiling play in the Super Bowl stud, but nonetheless young and up and coming and already a, a star, what are you going to try to do? You're going to try to beat that contract. And that's exactly what the, you know, the Bosa uh, situation is going to turn into. I would say to you that it's, it's, it's a tough argument to, you know, to make. Yes, Nick Bosa, amazing, outstanding. But Aaron Donald has almost a decade of a certain you know, uh, uh, level of performance and more importantly, almost durability because the guy's never hurt. He's always there. So he's a player that if you pay, you know, he's going to play. Nick Bosa doesn't have that same durability uh, factor. So lost a bit in the whole Deshaun Watson discussion is the Cleveland Browns. And the bad situation they're in now is things get worse for Deshaun Watson. Obviously, things get worse for the Cleveland Browns. We had this discussion yesterday, Armando, and while it's not going to happen because of the salary implications and everything else, the best possible thing for the Browns to have now would be Baker Mayfield, especially if Deshaun Watson gets suspended for the entire season. But that's not going to happen. And then you've got Baker Mayfield where we were perplexed when there wasn't a, be a better market for him already when these trades were happening and, and quarterbacks were moving. So I guess my question is, what happens with the Browns? What ultimately happens with Baker Mayfield? What should happen, in your opinion? Well, what should happen is the Browns, who are trying to trade Baker Mayfield for draft pick compensation, should try to trade Baker Mayfield for a quarterback and as good a one as you can find. Uh, if you're going to send him to Carolina, uh, you better get Sam Darnold back. Um, and, and I know people are going to say, oh, well, salary cap implications because Sam Darnold, you know, has a guaranteed contract. Yeah, well, so does Baker Mayfield. OK, so it's it's a it's a wash. But at least one of those guys is not going to come into your training camp and blow the thing up because he's pissed off at the entire organization for not committing to him. So that's what I would do. I would look around who has a quarterback that can win me games in case Deshaun Watson is suspended, in case the definite suspension, I should rephrase, of Deshaun Watson happens. 
because the Cleveland Browns, they have this designs on winning the, you know, the AFC North and getting to the playoffs and maybe getting beyond that. Uh, it's not going to happen with Jacoby Brissett. Look at Jacoby Brissett last year with the Dolphins, and you understand it's not going to happen with Jacoby Brissett. Armando Salguero, our guest. Armando, can I work a column idea right now with you? I, I'm going to be – I've already got the, the premise of this going on my notepad right now from a couple of nights ago. But it's on M- Mike McDaniel. H- have you been out to the, the practices with the Dolphins? And can you give me a sense – I know you have. Can you give me a sense of what he is like on the practice field now that he is, A, a head coach – and B, calling plays for the first time. You know that when I met Mike McDaniel, we, we talked for about, I would say, 10, 11 minutes. And six of those he spent talking about our glasses. <laughs> um, and it was interesting. But... He's different, man. Oh, yeah. He is, he is, you know, the, it's the sinews don't necessarily connect to the closest, you know. uh, I'm with you, but I'm fascinated Uh, by it. I'm fascinated by it because the perception, here's the, here's the premise. The perception is he's going to fail and Sean Payton's the next head coach if they want him to be the next head coach or they'll get whoever they want a year from now. But the premise, what if this guy succeeds? And I don't know what success is in year one, but he could change the perception of what owners are looking for, not by the color of their skin. I'm talking like the analytical dude who does nothing but just quirky stuff, but yet behind the scenes can work a game plan and connects with players that way. Because there's a lot more bro coaches than there are nerds for lack of a better way to describe him. And if if he succeeds, I don't think we've considered what that could mean for future hires. Well, let me let me put this to you. Uh Nick Saban himself said that the best predictor of future success is past success. So what other quote unquote to use your word, mm-hmm. nerd. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong, succeeded. but that, that's how I'm fascinated by the way he just talks at a podium. So, yeah, but that's one thing. He's undefeated right now. Uh, how's he going to talk to his team when they're in a three-game losing skid? I know that's that's the measure. And again, who can you point to that is similar? that it worked. I mean, I can point to a lot of guys who are the, you know, the players coach and it worked, who are the disciplinarians and it worked, who are, you know, kind of obsessive compulsive and it worked. So, you know, if you hire one of those freaks, at least you know that it's worked in the past somewhere. Mike McDaniel, that's that's an interesting template. Who has been in that template before that it worked? 
I mean that with a, by the way, the nerd compliment. I, I mean, there's a compliment for him. Like I, I, I would love to hang out with that guy. Uh, he's a, a history major from Yale. I'm not, I'm not telling Armando anything he doesn't know, but here's why I'm so fascinated with it. History major from Yale who has followed Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, everywhere he's been. And the media, the media, I'm using it in a broad term, views Kyle Shanahan as, as a savant. Like if, you, if Trey Lance is successful because he's paired with Kyle Shanahan, not because he went to another organization. But Mike McDaniels never called plays. He's, you know, the, the guy behind the scenes. He's a run game coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers a year ago. And um, he doesn't eat fish, but loves sushi. Like that, that, that's this type of stuff he's talking about at a podium. But I'm with you, like behind the scenes. And the 0-3 skid could be right out of the gate. Patriots, Ravens, Bills. Those are the first three games. Uh, but as you well know, for whatever reason, the Dolphins find a way to get a one-point win sometimes against the New England Patriots. And then who knows what happens from there. Uh, my question is, if this guy's successful, the perception of what we see is like the, the stair step to becoming the coach is probably rewired in a way. Coaching is important in the NFL. It's not like the NBA where it's not as important. It's important. Uh, it, it makes a difference. But having said that, I could guarantee you that Mike McDaniel would be a successful NFL head coach if his quarterback was Patrick Mahomes. Sure. If his quarterback was Josh Allen. I understand. I could yeah. guarantee you that he would succeed. So, um, so what's what's success so with what Tua? What am I saying? What's success with Tua, though? So success is measured different for him, right? Like, that's that's what you're saying. No, what I'm saying is I'm not sure that the 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 savant the genius the 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 guy that sits in a lab and draws up amazing plays mm -hmm. uh has the best quarterback in the division definitely not in the conference and definitely not in the league so we're talking about what success he's going to have uh hall of fame hall of fame nfl coaches typically have had hall of fame NFL quarterbacks. Um, agreed. I'm not. I'm not trying to put the guy in the Hall of Fame, but I, I there are retreads for NFL coaches that have been have, have failed and still get another job. Hugh Jackson comes to mind. You know, he's he at the time was viewed as a brilliant offensive mind. Well, and the intrigue um, with McDaniel's the success with that offense and their innovative running game. To let's face it protect the fact that they didn't have a top quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo from a talent perspective. So I guess that's the hope if you're a Dolphins fan, right? You get creative again and you turn something that's not much into a lot with, with yeah. Tua. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Tua Tungavala. I, I, I agree with you, but they Jimmy Garoppolo also is not a quarterback that should be going to a Super Bowl and going as far in the playoffs as the 49ers went with him. I'll also say that. So I still think they overachieve with Garoppolo. The hope is they he overachieves with Tua. That's the hope. And, you know, there's the other side of that. And Sean Payton is on the other side of that. Exactly. Exactly. And that and that's the 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 idea is oh, here's this here's this kid who 
is keeping the seat warm for the next quarterback and the next head coach? Not, not necessarily keeping a seat warm, Jonathan, I would say, because there's a chance that he's going to be amazing, right? But if you're not, I don't think you're going to get a very long leash. I, I agree. And the other odd thing, and we're up against it, but the other odd thing is there's no Wade Phillips type guy on that staff. He's got a first time play caller too on defense, doesn't he? Uh, no, actually, the defense was kind of given to him and handed to him. And so the defense is the same one that you've seen the last three years under Flores. So Boyer, Flores. Boyer's been the play caller. OK, for the last two years, this is his third year. Yeah, gotcha. Exactly. So he inherits the the staff that was there more or less. Interesting. On defense. Right, right, yes. right. I, I'm fascinated by the storyline there. Because the, the, the headlines have been Tyreek Hill and, and the speed, and you've got this guy that is <laughs> talking about sushi and hot sauce more than he, more than he is uh, deep passing versus uh, checkdowns by Tua. Armando, always great. Uh, read his great work at outkick.com. Thank you, sir. And I look forward to finding out next week what stadium will be in your background. Sounds good. All right. Let me start working on that right now. <laughs> There's Armando uh, Salguero. Um, I checked, by the way, on the Top Gun gear. We need to get this revamped at Outkick.com. The Top Gun logo-ish logo that he's wearing, we can't get those shirts anymore. I tried to get a, an order for the show. Really? Well, we need to demand to go up yeah. again so we start printing them. We need to, yeah. If more people go on there and search that. We can get that done. I would love to have one. Chad, I know you would too. Absolutely. We'll, we'll hang it in the background For here. sure. Coming up, Nickelback. Uh, <laughs> not, no, we're not going to play it Live for you. in studio. Don't worry. We're not going to play Nickelback. But they are in a headline uh, with the Angels and Shohei. We'll, we'll tie this in for you. Michael Vick coming up in 15 minutes on Outkick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. CMA Fest in town. First time in, what, three years, Chad? It's been a while. People have been pinned up at home for too long, not yeah, getting man. to go to their CMA Fest. They are fired it up, and they slammed. are in downtown Nashville right slammed. now. Uh, that, that's going to be the storyline of Nashville all weekend, Thursday through uh, you know, Sunday. Most of the women I've seen here at Six and Peabody are rocking uh, jean shorts. Yeah. Just saw a woman that was peeking in here and waving at us. She was uh, in a one-piece bathing suit just walking around Nashville. Once you again, saw that she had like Once the, again, CMA Fest is here. What do they call it? A cover-up? I think that's what the ladies call it. She had a cover-up over the top. What do, what do men call but it? But it, uh, <laughs> <who knows? laughs> it was a one-piece black bathing suit. I call she it was a, wearing boots, a t-shirt, a bathing suit, and a cover-up, a shawl. Wow, well, I, I, I have no idea. Uh, the the cover-up. That's the. Uh, it sounds like uh, maybe a a song from Nickelback. Outkick three hundred and sixty rolls on. Uh, the Angels 
So they had the 13-game losing streak, fired Joe Madden um, as they watched their, you know, they're trying to slip out of a playoff spot. Their season catch fire. Um, But they had a, a full playlist of Nickelback, and then they won the game. So they're pointing to... No, they lost, didn't they? They won? No, they, oh, they lost. lost. Oh, I thought they won the no, game. No, no, they lost. Yeah. They're, the losing streak continues. Oh, so they're, they're doing away with this playlist. I thought the whole story... My bad. I thought the whole story was about them uh, actually winning because of Nickelback. But again, Nickelback always loses. No, um, 13 straight games is pretty remarkable, this losing streak for the Angels. And I was, I was talking to you guys in the studio before... They're still in second place. Like they were way ahead in the division when this started. They didn't like it's not like they started poorly. They're only four games under five hundred right now. They were nine games over five hundred when they started. This is not a bad team going on a thirteen game losing streak. They were well in first place. Now they're nine and a half back after losing thirteen straight. They're tied for second. It's a bad division right now, but they're tied for second. Yeah, not awful. The Astros are in first 15 games over 500 in the AL West, but they're only four games under 500 after going on a 13-game losing streak. Oh, so 13, so, now 14. I mean, it's not like their season's over, even with this losing streak going on right now, but tough to find a way to lose that, that many straight. And Mike Trout majors. is hurt, right? Or is he just not playing well? He's off to. I know he started off with the worst start of his career. Well, he's uh, contemplating whether or not to be the commissioner of that fantasy league. Yeah. which may be tying him in knots. You know, when the brain is stressed, it can cause physical problems also. So that could be part of his problem. Photograph. He said he was undecided if he's going to be the, um, the commissioner of that fantasy football league again. Otani walked out to photograph from Nickelback. Didn't work. <laughs> this in is fact, always... Not only is, did it not work, they didn't score. I'm looking at the final score. Well, they lost uh, this one, is long, one nothing. This has long been my complaint, too. Baseball is hurt because Mike Trout and Shohei Otani are playing for the Angels, who are never relevant. They're now relevant because they've lost 13 straight games. They're playing Nickelback for their entire lineup. Congrats. It's hard to have two all-time greats and not be relevant. It's extremely difficult. And they've they've achieved that. I mean, at least the Angels aren't trading them. The Orioles would have dealt them by now. Coming up, Michael Vick joins the show. This is Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.